0: Welcome to the Thoughtful Gamer Podcast, Episode 10 Rage Knight. Mage Knight, Rage Knight. Rage night. Here with me today is Orion. Hey, what's up? And Matt. Howdy. Hey. And we are going to be talking about the brilliant game, Mage Knight, or not so brilliant if you're Matt. I'm just going to call it like it is tonight. (laughs) This should be a fun 10th episode. I can't believe it's been 10 already. I still remember recording the first one. Uh, And now we've hit the first significant round number. That's great. What did we talk about in the first episode, Mark? PAX East. PAX East. Yeah. Good times. I look forward to the
1: next convention episode. What's that? I look forward to the next convention episode.
0: That'll be PAX Unplugged in late November.
2: Yeah. What'll that be, like, episode 26 or something?
0: Well, I don't know. There's like We're at the end of July right now. We're doing two a, a month, basically.
2: August, September, October, November. So, oh, it could be, like, 18. It, it could
0: be episode
1: 20, maybe. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to say that was the longest Windows update I've ever encountered in my life. Yeah, we just waited. How...
2: An hour, An hour and a, hour and a half? Uh, maybe yeah. two? For like a Windows one, 10 update? Was, it
1: was like one day of Mage Knight. <laughs> one day cycle. Is that how you're measuring Ma- time now? Maybe a day in like the, the setup of the night.
0: <laughs> oh, and refreshing the cards and everything? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So yeah, we're going to be talking about Mage Knight. Uh, designed from Vladik Vadel. Our favorite... I think all of our... Independently, all, all of our favorite... Our favorite game designer, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd say I that. Would imagine so. Yeah. I think he's probably. Yeah, he's certainly
2: my favorite game designer. I had. He has more top-rated games than anyone else, for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, for, I had, for us at least. Yeah, I had Mage Knight. I think I had three of his games in my top S- ten: Space Alert, Mage Knight, Space Alert, and maybe Through the Ages. Or the, although, although that might have that hit. was
2: no, that was in the top ten. That yeah. was in the top ten. Yeah. yeah, and I think they're all in the. Those were all in the top seven, even. Yeah, I, I love those and
1: games. and you admit that Codenames is probably the best party game,
0: sep- best party game I've played. Separate from those kind of heavier games that made it into your top ten. So he's got he's- my favorite real time game in Space Alert and my second favorite real time game in Galaxy Trucker.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, that game is just so much fun. That's
0: favorite Civ half, game, half game,
2: favorite yeah. adventure game, favorite cooperative game, favorite party game. He's definitely my favorite game designer from the Czech.
0: From the Czech Republic? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know
2: any other game designers no, from the Czech no. Republic? You should have thought of another one just for that comment. Have, but then that would have just been like singling
0: out some person <laughs> just to say you're not the best. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, I may be the person who designed Alchemist, but I don't know who that is because that was published by CGE. Is, is that the game that I bought or the game that I meant to buy? That's the, the game you meant to buy, okay. but you bought Alchemy? Alchemy. <laughs> have we even opened the box? I read
1: the rules, I but we never played it.
0: Yeah. Alchemist was very good. I'd like to play that again. But I have no idea what Alchemy is. Anyway. One of my favorite Flash games from back in the day, was the Codex of Alchemy Engineering. What? I'd, I'd never heard of that one. And I've played a lot of Flash games. It's a great Flash game. Interesting. I think i played that one, but I don't remember.
1: Go look it up on your favorite early 2000s Flash game website.
2: Congregate.com. Congregate has gone downhill since we were in really? college.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I sp- Congregate was like the most... Non sketchy flash game website that I ever found. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, it's, it was, it's not good anymore. I haven't been there in years. I mean, for a while, I only knew that addictinggames.com
1: existed. That game was 100% sketch. That was sketch. It was just that uh, was the definition. It uh, was a big list of sketchiness. Yeah.
0: And then you clicked on things and it was more sketch. But um, anyway, I don't even know how we got here. Alchemy. Alchemy. Oh uh, backtracking a bit. lot of Kavaddle, Mage Knight,
2: perhaps the opposite of a flash game.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, flash. I would contend I, I would contend
1: that that's not true, but that's that's something we can talk about. That's later. That's a
0: very strange connection to make. Anyway, as you may have noticed, I love this game. If you listen to my top 10 podcast, you know that I put Mage Knight as number two as my second favorite game of all time. And I after playing it a couple more times it, it has justified that. I love this game. Orion, you would maybe put it in your top ten?
2: I would put it in my top ten. Uh I'm not I haven't done a list to know if it's in my top five, but it's definitely my top ten.
0: Matt, would you put Mage Knight in your top fifty?
1: <laughs> it would probably make the top fifty. Here's what I think about this game. This game is fine. It's fine. It's a fun game. I'm, it's gl- all right. I'm glad we played it a couple times here this week. <laughs> See, I think- <laughs> no, I just so so I think I'm, I'm I am going to be antagonistic tonight because you guys love this game so much. Yes. I don't really get the hype. I think the game is fine. I think it's fun. It's got a lot of good things. You're going to have to convince me that it you're going to have to convince me that it deserves discussion for top 10. And then you're going to convince me again that it deserves discussion for top five. And then you're going to have to (laughs) convince me again that you can put it at number two.
0: I think I can do a good job at this. I have more debate training than you. I don't hate the game. No, I know you don't hate the game. Despite how I will come across. I saw you having fun. We are playing together, yeah. and oh, you no. had fun, and you felt I, good. I think what I said,
1: or what I tweeted at you, was that it is like two hours of great fun packed into about six hours.
0: Well, I, I will just say that I think the game with you and Ben was the first six-hour game of Mage Knight. <laughs>
2: Imagine <laughs> that. That was the slowest I game was not, I've
0: ever seen. <laughs> that was, I was not the common denominator in well, the time okay. of that. It yeah. took you and I four hours. No, we finished in two and a half hours. Two and a,
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah you, you it probably would have been another hour if we the, didn't get the slaughtered. En- the end came super fast. Yeah. yeah. So put in
0: another hour, right, probably. We should,
1: you should tell us what Mage Knight is or something like that.
0: Well, first I want to comment that oh. I think you're the first person I've ever heard who has a kind of so-so opinion on Mage Knight. People usually either love or despise this game. Well, I think... I don't know where the people that despise
1: it are, but my guess is that they're internet people who hear people like you just you speak know, truth you know, to power. You know, <laughs> wax poetic about the experience that is Mage Knight. They and they're like, you're wrong. Disagree on principle. Which you are wrong, but that doesn't make it a terrible game. Right. It just, I think, um, it, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. But I would say this game is fine. I would, you know, this game would get, I don't know, like a 7.58, which is... Oh, really? Okay. I mean, in my average, you know, that's like slightly above average. Average-ish. Okay. Let me revise that. This game would get probably a little bit above average on whatever
0: my what your tendencies is? are. Yeah, Okay, that's better than I thought. Anyway, for those who haven't played Mage Knight, it is a sort of... It, it's it's an adventure game at its core, but it also is kind of a deck builder, but really slowly. So if you played a deck builder like Star Realms or Dominion, think of that, but really stretched out and not entirely about the deck building. So how it works is that every player uh, is playing a different Mage Knight. And for some reason or, or another that I don't remember in the lore of the game... You're just awesome, and you're trying to go destroy everything in your path and destroy a city. Don't know why, and I don't care. On your turn, you're going to draw a hand of cards from your deck, and those cards are going to give you some kind of options. So the basic actions would be movement to move across the map, attack to attack creatures, block to block creatures, and then influence, which you can spend to recruit units or buy advanced actions, um, or do various things at different friendly spots on the map. And as you go out and explore, you're going to be exploring more tiles, which I have to mention, the tiles are really cool. They're like honeycomb hexagonal tiles. So it's it's basically, think of a very small hex with six other hexes surrounding it. So they fit together, and it's a hexagonal grid, but it fits more spots per given unit of space than like a Catan board or something. So in the game we have set up, which is a two player game, you know, we have 12 of these seven hex pieces on the table. So there's a lot of, a, a lot of spaces. It's a reasonable uh, way to do terrain. I think it's a really great way of doing it to, yeah. to get a lot of different types of terrain uh, to fit into hexes, which as we all know is the superior terrain mathematical shape because it is the largest polygon that you can fit like that, I believe. I'll agree with that. This game would be a lot more sucky if it was
2: square Squares, based.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. It is the largest polygon that you can do this with, right? Yes. Yeah. You can do this with what, triangles, squares, and hexes, right? That's it? Yeah. you can't do it with pentagons. Yeah. For, oh. for a single shape. There you go. That's your... I wonder what a triangle yeah. grid game Just would be like. A triangle game?
2: Well, just you ma- just each think hex of becomes centers. six
0: triangles. Yeah, that probably wouldn't work at all. Are there any games? There has to be a game that, that's that does triangles. That would be interesting. I'm going to have to look that up. Please comment below if you know of a game that uses a triangle grid. Is it still a grid
2: if you're using a non-square shape? Now I'm really off track here. I mean, grid is kind of a generic map uh, math mapping term. You can can still give hexes a a two-coordinate
0: location. That's true. Yeah, I guess it's a grid then. The hexagonal grid. Anyway, back to the game. The terrain looks nice, and you're going throughout the countryside, and you're going to be fighting orcs. There are keeps that have people in them and mage towers and all sorts of different things that you encounter and try to destroy. But the heart of the game is this kind of deck mechanism where you have a hand of cards, you look at that hand of cards, and you see what kind of move that turn you can pull out of whatever the cards give you. And there are a lot of complications beyond that. For instance, there's a magic system where there are certain dice rolled at the beginning of each round. In each turn, you can take one of those dice to use the mana type indicated on that die um the mana lets you do the advanced action on any given card so like a basic card is move 2 but if you use the the correct mana type you can then move 4 same with attack cards and influence and all that you might say the
2: powered up version since one of the types of cards is called advanced actions correct yeah the the powered powerful actually i think it's called the advanced is it cuz the the, yeah, the 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 actions rules. you get are advanced actions yeah
0: Either i don't way. know Anyway, there's there's two halves to each card and you get the second more powerful half by spending mana and then you can generate mana crystals as you defeat things you level up you can move your reputation up and down by doing different things which affects your ability to hire units at villages and mage towers and all that and at the end you're going to be fighting a city which is basically a collection of some enemy types and there are multiple different types of enemies. And so it kind of has that RPG adventure game vibe. It's certainly a fantasy setting where you're using magical abilities and uh, it's got the like medieval style weaponry with catapults and swords and stuff. No trebuchets, sadly. Yeah, no trebuchets for shooting 60 kilogram. Was it? Oh, what's the Reddit thing? 60 kilogram objects up to 300 meters away. Something like that. Yeah. Have you seen that on Reddit? Yeah. People obsessed with trebuchets. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird, <laughs> but kind of funny. Isn't
1: there like a separate trebuchet memes Reddit?
0: I think there I is. would not be surprised if there are multiple subreddits about trebuchets. And like trebuchets I built a are trebuchet cool yeah. back in the day. Did you? Yeah. Nice. I built a lot of them in Age of Empires <laughs> too back in the day. <laughs> One of the that, greatest computer games of all time. Before History Channel
1: just became about like about trebuchets, monsters. Oh, well now it's just about like monsters and I don't know. They had a trebuchet phase. Yeah, they had lots of
0: trebuchets, and I was all over that. Yeah, in middle school. It's a cool, cool piece of design. Anyway, uh, I don't remember what I was talking about, but trebuchets, it's a fantasy I adventure think. game. <laughs> And you're leveling up and gaining powers, and obviously those powers are represented by additional, more powerful cards. You have advanced actions, you have spells, you have artifacts, you have units that can come along with you. you as you level up, you gain skills, which are kind of sort of passive abilities. But the meat of the game is kind of puzzling out each hand, and, and puzzle is very much the word I want to emphasize here, because each turn does feel like a puzzle of, What can I squeeze out of this hand of cards that I have in front of me to try to accomplish some objective and progress towards, uh, the end point of the game. And I think that puzzle is just so fascinating and so interesting, almost every single turn that I just love the game. And there are a bunch of other reasons why I love the game. I articulated a bunch of them in the review that I posted just the other day on the website. Um... And it's really hard for me to express why I love the game so much, but the puzzlingness part of it, the sense of progression, where at the beginning of the game you, you know you you might fight a lone orc and it seems very challenging, or you have to take a couple of wounds, but by the end of the game you can fight like two or three enemies without taking any wounds at all. But at the same time, every enemy fought along the way still feels challenging. It really nails kind of the difficulty curve of, of simultaneously keeping up ch- the challenge of the game while also giving you that sense of progression and
2: becoming more powerful. To me, it's just a, a brilliant experience. I think the magic of this game is is the experience more so because there's so many different mechanics going on and it, you know it's your adventure game as you're building your deck and But then it gets more complicated with all these different details on damage types and blocking and movement skills and terrain costs and influence modifiers and on and on and on. Um, But for me, it's just this kind of uh, similar to how Twilight Imperium is more of an experience than a game. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is kind of along the same lines of... It is what we called it an adventure deck building game, but it's more of an experience and this kind of growing in power to this big climax at the end. So you're saying very different things.
1: You, you just said very different things. and I, I don't I, I hear what what Mark's saying, there's this puzzle, mm-hmm. you know the hand yeah though you're on your turn the puzzle well, that's kind of the micro view the, of the it. micro view. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine. I like that it's good, but, you know, it's fine. And you're saying, like, kind of the macro view of the adventure. And my response to that is, it's fine. (laughs) Well, I, I think I have
0: major issues with both. Well, I think one of the keys to why this I enjoy this game so much is that it manages to do both very well. It does both fine. There are certain, like, there are games where you think if you want to play well, right? Mm -hmm. You think usually in terms of like raw mechanisms, right? So like if you're playing a really good game, if you're good at Dominion, you're not thinking necessarily about the thematic cohesion of the cards. You may not even register what the cards mean thematically other than that they have a name, at least to me, right? You're thinking, okay, this gives me X amount of, uh, I just flaw. have. I just have yeah, like the cards yeah. are the stats, right? right? Right. In Mage Knight, I think it manages to do both, where you can think very deeply about the game in terms of the mechanisms and trying to plan out both short term and long term. But at the same time, I don't. You get also that. don't lose the sense of oh, I'm blasting this massive dragon with a fireball. This is this is so weird
1: because I don't get. That epic sense, and I don't feel like I have enough agency in in planning out what
0: happens down the down the line. well, that's the thing. You're not necessarily it's it's different than a deck builder like Dominion where in Dominion yeah I, I, th- th- I think it's almost it's it's almost
1: a disservice to
0: Mage Knight to call it a deck builder well. It- It is a deck builder in that you're building your deck as you play the game. But it's not, but it's not obviously not just a deck builder because there's so much more involved with it. And it also feels very different from any other deck builder. Yeah. So, so in that sense, I agree. So this is right
1: now, we're just kind of throwing a bunch of things out there. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll pick up some threads as we go. But to me, this game is a very much of a kitchen sink game. There are just a lot of random mechanics going on. So one of the things that I wish I had more control over is choosing the things that I put into my deck. But anytime I make a decision about what I'm putting into my deck, at most I have three options. Mm-hmm. And and also the way that that a lot of the cards are written. There's not like a perfect, there's not a perfect synergy. So it's not like you're, you're generally trying to get like, I don't know, you're basically looking at three cards and saying like, oh, that this card looks like this would be awesome if it comes up in the right time. And then you say like, so I'll take that one. But I'm never like really making hard decisions about what I want my deck to be like. I'm just saying that of these three cards that happen to be up, I'm going to take that one.
0: I don't want to sound mean, but I think you're playing the game poorly, right? Because there's a couple interesting things. Yes, yes, there are three options available in most cases when you're adding cards to your deck. To me, that seems fine because you're thinking about it from the perspective of a deck builder like Dominion, where you have a kind of overall strategy and you're trying to build toward that strategy. Mage Knight doesn't let you do that. I'll right. admit that right. it doesn't let you do that no, at all. No, no, no. That's why I say I think it's a disservice, to even
1: really call Mage Knight a deck builder. I get what you're saying. It yeah. is in fact a deck builder
0: because you're putting things in your deck. But I think there is some interesting things to consider when you're adding cards to your hand. So maybe you destroy a mage tower and you earn a spell. Mm-hmm. The first interesting thing is that unlike most deck builders, when you gain a new card, you put it on top of your deck, yeah, so that's you know cool. you're going to draw it next. So that creates an inherent kind of tension between do I want to get the card that I know I can utilize on the following turn for short-term gain, or do I pick this other card that maybe has a better effect towards the end of the game, but I don't necessarily know if I'm going to get it at the right time. You also have a tension in trying to kind of... Work with the situation at hand, but also plan out ahead of what your, you know, some kind of end goal in terms of what kind of power you want to bring to it. So you have to think in terms of, okay, what kind of mana might be available to me when I need this spell the most? Or what kinds of crystals am I better at generating here? You also have to think in terms of, okay, what's going to be better for the deck as a whole? In the last game we played, I took a bunch of wounds early because I That's basically what I had to do to advance, and I got a lot of XP out of it. But then on a couple of decisions in taking advanced actions and spells, I picked heal cards over really good action or attack cards because I figured, okay, now I can take a very wound-heavy strategy to try to rack up a lot of XP and then try to heal those wounds out of my hand with my new heal spells. But at the same time, at the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, but this may be good kind of in the mid-game to clear out my deck as I'm advancing, but I have to make sure that, one, I get better attack cards for the end of the game, the big battles at the end of the game, and two, that I need to make sure I don't necessarily spend really good, or I don't necessarily get more cards with green mana because now both of my heal spells require green mana. So So there's all these sorts of considerations you have to make. I know. And and, uh, I I found myself
1: making or taking all those things into account, I just, I don't find it that interesting. It's okay. But like, ultimately, I have three options at most. And the combination of things that I'm considering with the fact that I just have three options, I always end up just saying like, okay, this one is going to do this one thing really well. Uh, I'm going to do it, you know. I don't think that I've done the spell the immediate spell the The only thing that I can think of is like if I'm fighting in a labyrinth and I know I'm gonna go right back into the labyrinth, I'll take the spell that does the most damage. That thought crossed my sure. mind once, but that's kind of an easy decision anyway because you're not gonna go wrong just putting high damage cards in your deck. But then all those things that you're talking about, to me, it, the importance of, of, that, of, of weighing all those things is lessened, lessened because you have so little control over what actually comes up, the order that things come up. Um, you, you end up even wasting cards sometimes because it didn't come up at the right time, even though they're a great card. Um, and there's kind of a probability or, or not a probability there's kind of a usefulness distribution that every card has. And it just seems to me that those are flatter distributions than they should be to where the, you know, just the random factor of how much a card is actually going to benefit you means that you're never really choosing a card. That's that, you know, that, that, that is that much of a better decision than anything, you know, the other options. Again, I would completely disagree with that because I mean, they're obvious choices. Like, sometimes they're just obvious choices. But I, what I found is either they're obvious or you can't go wrong. It's that sort of thing.
0: I don't think that's true. I think there, there's so much, so many more considerations that we could be making. And I, and I sort of proved this. I know you haven't read my written review, but in the review, I link to a session report from a solo gamer who, after like 5 attempts beats the scenario we were playing on the hardest difficulty okay and he has a very detailed session report and it's absolutely fascinating the level of thought and planning and consideration that he's making it's completely beyond how many of his considerations
1: of. were probabilistic
0: not many he's he's thinking he knows well, first of all, he knows the decks and he knows the enemies so well that he's like, he's like taking okay. cards specifically because he thinks he'll probably face this very specific enemy in the future. So when he
1: draws three dragons in the final battle, he knows that one of those
0: can be can be beat by this very specific card he gained in round one. Yeah. So and he's I mean, thinking okay, that's fine, and he's but thinking I don't really that's not... so many more considerations and so many more factors. I mean, I think that. we're we're going to quickly get into another
1: major problem i have with the game but that's not like a goal that i want to work to of like just knowing the the distribution of the dragon's stats so that i can choose the right card like that to me that's
0: kind of the cheapest version of Well, i'm deck not traveling. saying i'm not saying that i want to get to that level or i want to, or i want to put in the time to get to that level i'm saying the strategy is there. And I think it's a gradient to get there. And I think it's not necessary. I think it's a linear scale, which means that you can't, you can't make the argument that there's basically that like any decision is fine, but at the same time recognize that you can get to a level linearly where you're making far superior decisions. Well, well,
1: yes and no. So if you're looking for it as a pure cerebral experience of, you will master the puzzle that is mage knight then i think you can but i don't think that's how well that's certainly not how i've enjoyed the game and i i don't think i don't know ryan is that a description of how you enjoy the game it, i mean as you describe it as adventures i get a different sense
2: well to me it, it's both i think yeah the the adventure scales what makes it epic and each turn is what makes it enjoyable Yeah, I
0: I mean, that's my argument, right? It does both well. It does both the pure mechanical aspects of trying to make the best decisions tactically while maintaining the sense of progression and scale. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to convince you that your experience is wrong. I'm I'm trying to say that I think to argue that there are basically non-decisions when you're adding cards to your deck is just incorrect.
1: Yeah, basically you're getting to a, a scenario that I just, I don't care to, to go there with this game because I think there are so many other games that I would rather spend my time getting to that point. Like if I'm going to sure. know a game of every card and unit in the game, I'm going to learn Twilight Struggle. Sure. I mean, one, what of the, I'm one of is the that... things I wrote down in, in thinking about this was this game does a lot of things, but it doesn't do anything the best it doesn't give me any individual experience as well there's always a game that does it better all the mechanics are fine
0: but there's always something that does it better what game would you argue well first of all very quickly back on the last point i probably agree with you that i don't want to get to the point where i've memorized all the cards but i think there's enjoyment to be gained at least in my experience i have enjoyed getting better at the game.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I have two. I certainly enjoyed I certainly have enjoyed the last two games we played this week more than the previous ones. Sure. Because I reck you know, even just recognizing thugs. Yeah, you you got
0: the thugs both times. Yeah.
1: Was like, (laughs) oh I know how that works. Maybe this time I won't use thugs so much that I have absolutely no reputation.
0: (laughs) Yeah, in our second game I was the one that tanked my reputation.
1: Yeah. But I mean yeah, but That does improve the, the enjoyment, but I'm not sure that that's really a point for Mage Knight because that's true of almost any game.
0: Sure. What I think Mage Knight does better than any game is the tactical decision-making of how to play out your hand. I think yeah. it edges out Twilight Struggle on that, and that would probably be second place in that very kind of particular yeah, thing. It's Can interesting. you think of any games that do that kind of decision-making better? Yeah, that that's an interesting one. That that might be true. I mean, partially just because there's,
1: I mean, there's, there's it just runner?
0: overloads you with information to the point that you have to sort through the information. I'll grant that's part of it. That's but okay. I but I enjoy I enjoy sorting through it. Yeah, I mean,
1: that's that was a big part of my experience. I don't know if you guys maybe played this more than I did early on. So I was I feel like I've always been behind in understanding this. At some point in this game, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to ask Mark every question that comes to my mind and not, and not care. And it worked fine because you didn't mind. But, I mean, w- one of the things I said early on is I didn't like the iconography. I think I came around to it a little bit. It's not bad. I think it works. There's just so much. like, Oh, yeah. There's so much going on all here. The, every action spell, all the cards are text-based, which is, again, fine, but... Kind of annoying when you're sorting through ten cards or or I don't know, eight cards is probably the most that you're gonna have in your hand. Mm-hmm. It, it's fine, but that doesn't increase the enjoyment for me. It, it ends up just being this big puzzle. Maybe there's a maybe there's a fundamental difference in you and I there where you find that puzzle great, I find it fine.
0: Yeah, I think. That might be it. And I mentioned this again in my review that I get lost in it. Like, I lose track of time when I'm playing Mage Knight. I just... I love sitting there and just staring at the cards and working out in my mind different variations of how to play them. I mean, here's what... Which I guess that's here's probably what, the linchpin to whether or not you enjoy this game Here's what goes through my mind
1: on a turn. I look at my cards. I think, oh... I have this one really cool card that I was happy about that would synergize really good with this one. So, too bad I didn't draw those together. Oh, look, I have an influence card. It's not enough to hire anyone. Too bad I drew that without another influence card. Okay, what can I scrape together to move far enough? Oh, it's going to take half my hand just to move over there to the, those orcs. You know. <laughs> to me, it's You're just... You're going to die when you read this review, It's just Matt. a string of disappointments.
2: <laughs> but, see... I think for Mark and I, it's a string of challenges of like, oh, I could move over to that orc and fight him. And it's going to, I can spend my cards in this way to get over there and fight him. Or I could spend my cards in this other way to get to the town and recruit some thugs or some archers <laughs> or something. Whereas you're like, oh, I didn't get this one combo that I wanted to play. And we see it more as a, this is the things that I'm able to yeah, sculpt my hand or Get out of my hand this turn.
0: Yeah, I think the fundamental difference between how we're viewing the game is that you're looking at the board and you're like, okay, what could I possibly get done during this turn? You draw your hand of cards. You're like, oh, I drew this really awesome card, but I can't use it this turn, so I'm probably gonna have to play it sideways for one move to get anywhere. And so you're looking at it from that perspective. Orion and I are are drawing our hands of cards first, and we're like, okay, cards what are you going to give me this time? And, and we'd look at it from the possibility space of the cards rather than the possibility space of what would be ideal this turn.
1: Yeah, and I, I think mean, you
0: have I to do that to, to really enjoy Mage y- Knight. Y- you must be right. You must be right. Like, it's and, a and weird, and, and I'll admit, it's a very strange yeah. way to play so a game because ex- most games aren't like that. Can you explain this?
1: Because to me, I can't understand how your way of playing it would allow you to enjoy the overall adventure so much because to me, I like I find myself wanting to enjoy different aspects of the game, and then it always falls a little bit short. So if you're so focused on on, you know, you can't focus on like I want to go over there and do this thing, and you know, no, after you have I do to, this. You I have can go in, and options. hire some some guys. At the, you know, the, you know, whatever, the monastery that's beyond those orcs that
0: I'm working up to. So you don't do that. But then we're... I consider it. I'm like, oh, it'd be cool if I'm able to do that. But the very first thing is, okay, what are the cards going to say? Right? You kind of, the cards, you draw the cards and they give you the possibility space. And then you have to puzzle out how to maximize your actions within that space. And, and,
1: and even to me, and like I think that's planning, the
0: really satisfying tactical puzzle. planning for, you know, even the end game, It that seems to
1: be in conflict. Like if you're doing things like picking spells that, you know, are good against a very certain kind of dragon.
2: Like to me, that's in conflict with the idea well, of you just, I don't your ever hand. play. I don't ever make those, that sort of determination, but um, you'll grab cards that are, Way better towards the end game. I'll grab cards that I know are good at AOE because I know there are large multi enemy fights at the end of the game. Yeah, and I'll wait those a little bit more on like the turn before the end. um yeah. and I'll consider like an action card that gives me more action cards early on over a really strong attack or something. And I wish. So I, I kind of have a view of what do I want to get done this day phase. Because I know roughly what's in my deck. And I know I roughly have this much move and this much attack and this much influence or whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I can probably take, you know, one hard fight, one easy fight and move some distance. And so I draw my hand and say, oh, well, I drew a super strong attack hand. What's the nearest thing I can fight? Right. Yeah. Or I drew a really a ton of move, So I'm going to do- go and explore like four tiles and see what all my options are right because then you know you're going to be drawing your attack cards later the weirdest thing for me is trying to evaluate how much stronger i'm getting because i'll buy these actions or these spells and i look at them and i'm like oh wow that's a really nice card and i stick it in my deck and i know i'm going to only see it you know three to six times for mm-hmm. the rest of the game and it's it's this it's this weird sense where it's hard to tell for me, exactly how much more powerful I'm getting, though I know inevitably I am. And when I look back right. a day or two yeah. later, and I'm like, wow, I just one-shot the Mage Tower, whereas la- you know yesterday, I was barely able to take an orc. And I'll say this. I, I you, love that feeling.
1: You are inevitably getting stronger. Like, you would have to just oh, yeah. try to suck to not... Well, I mean, all the cards you're gaining
0: are at a higher power level. Yeah.
1: So, okay. So, lots of games have this thing, you know, point-solid games in your Euros and other things, where everyone gets victory points or whatever you're working towards at a similar rate. And then the game is one on the margin. Oh, yeah, yeah. The point floor, basically. Yeah. And the game is one on the margins. Mm -hmm. Well, this game has that with your decks. Yeah. I would agree with that.
0: again, that's okay. I mean, I would argue it's probably necessary to make the game not, yeah, snowball horribly against a bad start,
2: yeah, um, or else that would be
0: that would be miserable.
2: <laughs> well, that, that's part of the game balance is that you have to get more powerful throughout the game to fight the stronger enemies to get to the boss. But, yeah, I mean that's in like any RPG, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess I don't know. It's just another one of those things in this game that I kind of scratch my head and, and I'm like, okay, that's. That makes sense. It happens, but
2: it kind of leaves me out of the process a little bit. I it, think it just obscures the details a little bit. Whereas if you were playing, uh, I've been playing Darkest Dungeon a little bit recently, and you can like level up your weapon and see exactly your damage range goes from 5 to 9 to 6 to 10, and your crit chance goes up by 2% or something, and you can see exactly how much stronger you get. And then you can go take a battle and see, oh, I can do more damage now. Whereas this, you're adding skills or spells to your deck. That are going to show up sometime. That are going to show up. Sometime. And are going to do something for you. Yeah. Well, yes, they're going to show up sometime. But with the deck building constraint, they're going to show up in the next phase. And then the phase after that. And then the phase after that. Yeah. You just don't know exactly where in your deck. And there are some things you can do to mitigate that randomness there's certain ways to search for cards or draw additional cards or cycle cards things like that but you get this you get a new powerful ability into your deck that you're going to be able to use and the way i play i don't take a card saying like oh this is i'm targeting that monster hole three tiles forward with this cuz i'm going to get there tomorrow i might think like I might try to get an attack card if I know I'm going to go through some of fights the next day because I'll know I'll want it, Mm -hmm. but I'm not thinking of specific enemies. What I might do is I'll take my hand if I'm on top of a a keep or something, and then I'll look at the possible enemies and say, can I beat most of the possible enemies with this hand? Okay, yes, I will go ahead and do this assault or I will invade this labyrinth or whatever.
1: I have another slightly related criticism do you want it or or go for it go for it yeah so you brought up something very quickly Mm -hmm. that i have another kind of problem with the game there's so much post decision randomness so when you're deciding whether you're going to go into a place a lot of the places are you can see what the orcs are they're face up so you can you can say like okay this orc has double attack so if I'm going to block it, I have to block twice, but I can definitely take four attack, you know, or I, I can attack four to kill it. So you make all those decisions before you go in. But a lot, most of the baddies, almost all of the higher level bad, bad guys are, you go into a place, you spend the movement, which is hard to come by, or like, it, it, it comes when it comes. And then you get the token and you flip it over, like, oh crap, it was that one dragon that you didn't have a build for. Sure, that but I
0: mean, that's a risk you know you're taking. Like, you know, yeah. the game provides you with a reference sheet with all the enemies, I think, for a reason. And it's it's a risk mitigation play. But it's not like if you are... I mean, that's literally... It's not a situation where you're, if you're unable to beat it, you're like completely like permanently knocked out or something yeah um it's not gonna wipe you out of the game yeah but it's the
1: difference between if it's a dragon it's the difference between getting eight or nine xp and leveling up getting another card and special ability or getting some wounds in your hand maybe Yeah, so it probably or, sets you back two turns and wasting yeah and wasting
0: valuable cards yeah you only get to go through your deck once per day or night, right? But in any game of Mage Knight, you're probably not going. You're probably going to lose to an enemy once or twice. Yeah. And in my experience, you know, even on medium, you or I guess medium easy, <laughs> we usually uh, play on medium medium. I think. Yeah, we've only won once on it. Yeah, but um, you can still have a shot at least at the at the end game, even with like losing to a high powered enemy. Like, I understand it is randomness and there's a decent amount of randomness in this game but it's not devastating enough to for me to make it frustrating and it just, I just adds think it's a to weird... the complexity and decision making it's of just the a game. weird combination
1: for me maybe this maybe i don't know maybe my i don't know what it is forget that thought it's just a weird combination to me of you can only do exactly what your hand is allowing you to do well, I think that
0: any given hand, most of the time, is going to give you a couple of different good possibilities. Yeah. Uh, but then which I think is fine. And then figuring out how to utilize those good possibilities, to me, is satisfying.
1: It, but that at the end, you're probably, like, at best, you're setting yourself up for, uh, I don't know, 75% shot at something big. Usually. I mean, some, sometimes you have a super, if you're a siege, you're going to kill a dragon no matter what. I don't know. I, I find myself in those weird situations of, like, I can't really do the things I want to do, but I have something I can do. But then there's a one in four chance that I just draw the dragon that I can't beat. I don't know. I yeah, just, I don't, fair. I don't love that scenario. It's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's probably unique to you among, among us. But I think yeah. it's it's certainly something that people listening would might sympathize with. I'll I'll grant yeah. you that that is yeah. definitely something that would frustrate quite a few people. And I'm not saying, you know, I, I don't at all claim that Mage Knight is a good fit for everyone. It's probably not a good fit for most people who play board games. First, because it's long. Uh, with three and a half hours is probably average for us. Uh, for a two-player game, and we know what we're doing. Um, Three to three and a half hours, probably. Yeah, there um, it's long, It's has a, it, it is the most fiddly game I think we own. It's got quite a learning curve. It's got a learning curve. It has an atrocious rulebook, a really, really bad rulebook. I mean, just have Mark
1: around so you can ask him 50 questions in your first playthrough.
0: Yeah, yeah, that works. Um, whenever I get video capabilities, I think one of the first things I want to do is to do a fairly quick Mage Knight rules explanation. Yeah. Um. Because there there is one video rules explanation out there that people recommend. But if I remember right, it's like an hour and 15 minutes. I bet I could get it down to
2: half an hour, maybe. I saw one Spence where the guy like, gonna plays through the first round or something. Oh, is that what it was? That's the one I saw. I don't know if that's what you were referring to.
0: But. Uh, there's one that people always recommend that I looked up a while ago. Okay. But uh, sidestepping a bit. I was curious because I was thinking Mage Knight falls into that really weird board game, not genre, but kind of a genre of like doing your best in bad situations, right? Because a lot of board games are about building up and it's about being the fastest at building up something or it's about being the most strategically keen to outwit your opponent. Um, But there are some games where it's like you're presented with bad situations and you're trying to mitigate those as best as you can and i think mage knight kind of fits into that in a where mi- you're in a micro sense maybe where yeah on a hand-by-hand sense where you're not unless you get a really lucky draw you're not going to be able to do exactly what you want to do that turn in and i you know ideally but you're given the hand you're given, and you have to work out what you can do positively out of that hand, even though it may not be ideal or it's a random hodgepodge. That's fair. And I looked at my top ten, and I think I could make—I think four of the top ten games that I've listed firmly fall into that category, which may be indicative that I really like that sensation. That's that's interesting. right? So Twilight Struggle, obviously, yeah. is like the king of that feeling. Mage Knight. Um, Space Alert's kind of the same thing. We're given, you know, bad things are happening to you, and you're trying to optimize in real time in that situation how to mitigate them as best as possible.
1: Sure, you can make that argument.
0: And then uh, Dominant Species. In that case, the bad thing is every other player. (laughs) I don't know if I buy
2: that categorization.
1: Yeah, now that you've read the four, I'm, I'm not sure that I buy it. I'm not sure I buy it with Dominant Species that might be fair and i think space alert
2: is just such a different animal that i don't think the i think the it's painting with holds. a pretty pretty broad stroke to say a real time game is this bad situ making the best of a bad situation i don't know i just it feels like I guess the harm, wrong way of harm mitigation
0: at it. i guess but then yeah maybe it's a poor categorization but those games give me the same kind of feeling of like oh the, the What's it the millstone is really like tight around my neck and I need to squeeze <laughs> I need I to mean, squeeze as much benefit out of it as maybe, possible. Maybe you're looking for millstones. Agricola would yeah. be another one. Yeah, I don't like that all that well. See, these are games I absolutely love. Yeah. And so maybe I'm just slightly masochistic in my board game preferences.
2: You like the struggle? I like the struggle. <laughs> I I buy that. But I think Mage, yeah, I think Mage I, I think, Knight yeah. is like so, that.
1: So what Mage Knight doesn't give you is, a, or doesn't give me, is a sense of real power, like, engine ramping to,
0: to the point where I'm huge and unstoppable. I would agree with that. It doesn't I give me that yeah. sense until the final battles, like the big boss battles at the end, when oh, if nice. I do things correctly, I can kind of hone my hand into... A, A bunch of really good action cards and then it's like wow I just defeated six enemies at once and I took three wounds and at the you know at the beginning of the game I fought the lowest level orc and took two wounds yeah like it's kind of a weird sudden realization it's like wow I really did get substantially more powerful throughout this game Okay, but you don't necessarily feel it as you like in between those points
2: it feels more like a grind, I think, to me at least. Yeah. No, I've had. I, I forget if it was the last time we played or the one before that, but I had just a, a f- fantastic hand, and I killed, you know, the my entire share of the final army and didn't take a single wound. Oh yeah. And that just when you have that experience, which is not always the case because randomness factors and various things and the whole. I mean, there's so many variables that go into getting to that point, but when you have that, that just is so amazing to be like, oh man, I just sniped all of this stuff with my siege attacks, and then I blocked and killed everything, and it it's so supremely satisfying to get that payoff at the You end. feel awesome. You're like, wow,
0: I figured it out, I knew my hand had it in it, and I figured it out, and I am
2: Awesome. Matt is grimacing at this.
0: I think I yelled that at one point during our first game. when I It was like in the middle of the game when I... I, I, think it was, I think I I said, I'm like, I know it's in this hand. And I looked at it a while. I'm like, oh, I do this and this and this. And I use this mana and this crystal. And I'm able to get enough damage. And I think I was like, I'm awesome. I jumped up or something. I, I felt like doing that. Maybe I didn't express I, that. You said but that the in your review, at least. Well, that's what I remember. <laughs> but... I tend to, I tend to, exciting moments of my life t- tend to stay contained in my mind. <laughs> you're a, uh, you're a, rather than these things it.
2: is more epic than the actuality.
0: <laughs> yes. I'm an introvert through and through.
1: Yeah. So I'm grimacing because, well, one of the things I don't like in this game is, is the end battle. Actually timeout. Every time I've played, we played the same scenario. There are other scenarios, right? Yes,
0: but this is definitely the best one.
1: And we always play co-op, but you can play it in other ways. You
0: can play competitive.
2: Um, I've never bothered to learn the competitive rules because I don't see the point. Basically, you can move onto someone's space and fight them. And there's some rules governing how that works. Okay. Um, and then you're competing on points. Um, and I think that scenario is set up where there's four cities out there and you are trying to go out and conquer them all. I don't know. If you find this supremely fun, I don't see why that wouldn't be fun. Um, Well, I think
0: it might snowball out too much. Like, if you really put the beat down on someone early. Yeah. Uh, So, anyway, I don't like... I I, I enjoy sharing the excitement with someone else. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And teaming up for the big final battle. That's fine. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the competitive game is really fun, but I... I know that like the vast majority of people only play solo or co-op so I'm pretty I'm satisfied not having played the competitive. Yeah, okay, I need to go back through the things that I am meh on
1: that you, we just talked about. Go first, for it. first of all, the co-op is meh. It's <laughs> it's fine but it's like you don't really get the co-op experience cuz there's, yeah, there's not, there's not much doing cooperation. My co-op experience in the last Well, it's it's not
2: in, co-op like Space Alert is that no. you're coordinating actions. It's co-op, it's a solo that, game
1: you can play with multiple people. Yeah. And then you're probably going to get back together for the very end. Yeah. My experience with the co-op is that Mark stole the mana that I needed a couple of times and I was really mad at him.
0: Well, maybe maybe some people should express how badly they need a particular mana type before another player takes it. I wasn't aware you desperately needed that mana I should have I
1: don't know <laughs> should have said something other than what I said so that's co-op uh, there's that the end battle is is just it's just more of everything that you've done it's not it's not its unique thing so so you describe like that last battle if it if it pans out it's you defeating like I don't know eight. Things sure. Whatever. Um, depending on how you split it up. It's fine, but it's like, it's literally the same things that you've been fighting the whole game. Yeah. Except you're not worried about taking wounds because it's the end of the game. So you get a few extra hit points, you know, more or less. And the feeling of satisfaction that I am looking for is mitigated by the fact that my hand's just random. So maybe I drew...
0: A, you know the perfect I hand, think you're
2: overplaying this random thing i just usually I just if do. you
0: play if you if you play strategically and you play well your final hand will essentially not be random because well, you will have time to cycle out all the cards I mean, you don't want well that's not okay, true because wait, we, is true. We, wait, we we say ran, random no it's not true because we ran
1: into in this last game that we lost well, we didn't we, play well okay. strategically, we so, and we got hosed by sure. so AI. We didn't play perfectly so that at the end of the game, we didn't have enough time to get in position. And then yeah. I just ended up fighting Volcarra by myself and took 18 wounds, and I did a lot of damage. I was. I believe we, we
0: brought it down to 17 wounds. Oh, yes. Because you had the heal ability. Yeah, but I had to put two in my discard as well. <laughs>
2: I think the thing about the random hands at the end is that you're not going to get all of your powerful spells, but almost every card in your hand will be something you want there. I guess that's true if you have time to cycle. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's not its not generally
0: true. Well, I will and say, in the last game we played, that is the worst defeat I've ever had. Yeah. Well, and in the previous game, if you remember, I
1: just got particularly unlucky. I had... An artifact and two spells I was excited about, and they managed to be in the last five cards. So, where I think we agreed that I had the most powerful
0: deck. But I think you had time to cycle into those cards. Like, you were waiting around quite a bit for Volker to arrive. I cycled a lot of
1: cards and got down to the last five, and, and, and we fought him. Plus, we had to fight him twice. So yeah. I had to cycle down to a hand where I knew I had enough cards left to fight him a second time. Sure. So, I mean, the point is that, no, you're not guaranteed. You can't set it up so that you can cycle
0: into the perfect hand.
1: No, that's an outlier. You could.
0: I get that. No, you I couldn't. Would, in most I games, just described it. In most games, Orion and I are able to do that. Well, I think it's an outlier when it doesn't pan out. But I think sure. you, you're, you know, I think the game is designed that if you play well, you're able to cycle into a very, very, very powerful, like almost so, so as powerful care, of a hand you have as your be, deck allows. You
1: have to be ready to, to fight twice.
0: Depends on how strong you are.
1: So you can't cycle into your most powerful hand if it means
0: getting below two hands worth of attack ability. Or you so, could have one person go for that and just resign themselves to be out of the second fight and try to defeat as many enemies. There, there are decisions you can make. How back. is that satisfying?
1: I, whatever. Yeah. So, no, it's fine. Again, it's fine. <laughs> you have this big battle. You're just fighting a bunch of things that you fought already, except, you, I don't
0: know, you just do it and you don't care about the wounds and then the game's over. Well, you care about the wounds in terms of points if you're trying to maximize your score.
2: Yeah. Oh, about, you're still I, trying. To I, do I always the best care about the can. wounds because it's part of the puzzle of how do I take the fewest wounds. It doesn't right. slow down your Sorry. progress for the rest of the game. You don't because care. The game is ending. Exactly. You yeah. don't
1: care about it in yeah. that sense. You don't care about it in that. So
2: well, you want
1: to take as few wounds as you can, but sure. you've at least one.
0: And I think thematically it makes sense, right? You're you're confronting the final enemy. And so, yeah. you know, you're you're defeating them at all costs. You know, oh, I don't no have a big damage. problem with this. I, th- I mean, it's just there's not really anything necessary to de- like. It's it's just whether or not you find it satisfying. Yeah, I don't think there's anything inherently satisfying in it. I don't know. I think if you think... argue about something being inherently satisfying, you got to go into a lot of psychology okay. that we don't have the education to talk okay. about. <laughs> Fine,
1: <laughs> it's definitely way more of a some will find
0: this satisfying and some will not yeah than a lot of board gaming experiences i would yeah i would agree with that yeah for those listening i mean again i said this before mage knight is certainly not for everybody but i think for certain people that and this is why i think i see a lot of very polarized opinions on mage knight where there's people like me and orion who just love it and adore it and then the other opinions I see are basically your, your complaints. A lot of your complaints just it disgusts them rather than uh, it's okay. Yeah, let's let's take a moment. I think that's a positive character trait for you on your on your behalf. That <laughs> that just because it's not the best game ever, I, it's not the worst game ever. I mean, it's a low bar to compare you against random internet people. <laughs> so maybe i take back that entire line and and now i no don't take it back (laughs) it's it's fine i'll take it you're not as bad as random redditors
1: (laughs) yeah i mean let's talk about my experience the game is cool you you collect things maybe you don't get exactly what you want but you get cool spells you get cool artifacts you kill orcs who doesn't want to do that at the end you kill a bunch of dragons It's, you know, it's, it's fun. I think the puzzle is fun on every turn. I don't find all these things as satisfying as you guys do, but I don't think it's a, it's, it's not like it's an unenjoyable experience. Yeah. So all you people that hate the game, just get over it. Play with (laughs) your friends who are head over heels for it. And then maybe
2: they'll play your game. Well, play with one of your friends. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's another thing for those who haven't read the review. Two players is
2: probably the max. Three, if you really have all day, you can do three, <laughs> but it's going to be longer. I would, I will never play a four-player game of this. So it's, uh, it's, with
0: the expansion, apparently you can play five players, which is has got to be a joke
2: to put that on the box,
0: like. Like I love Mage Knight. I can't even imagine the slow, torturous hell of a five-player
2: game. I mean, you'd have to institute some rule of two-minute turns or something. Could, or you do the side game. You do the simultaneous side game
0: where you're playing something a little bit lighter on a different oh. table. <laughs> what about competitive? And then it just becomes like battle royale. Like
2: maybe I don't know. Maybe you play it with like, like a weird small single map death. and yeah, knockout or something. I don't know. Maybe we should play competitive sometime. I don't have a strong desire to play this yeah, game Yeah, I don't either, so
0: I don't think I ever
2: will. I
0: think I will play solo tomorrow, If it's the though.
2: second best game ever
1: made, I feel like you should feel a stronger desire to play competitively.
0: There's nothing about the cooperative game that I think would be improved by being able to attack my opponent.
1: Okay, here's the other thing. The game would just be better as an app on my phone that I could play on the way to work. Because nothing that I do in this game needs the five million pieces that are included in this game
0: i would agree it would make a very there would be a it'd be a very fun digital game and i think specifically Um, like a phone app because you can also play one
1: turn yeah it's a nice little puzzle and then you get off the subway and go to work yeah and at lunchtime you play another one and it's fun I think I'd enjoy
0: the game in that kind of experience probably just as much. I think a lot of people would. I don't think... I think I would enjoy it, but not as much as the real game. I talk about this more in my Twilight Imperium Mm. review. It's one of the games... This might be the only other game, maybe, where I think the length and kind of the, the whole... The way it takes up like the whole table and has all the little things to manipulate actually adds to the experience in in a weird sense in my mind. Yeah, it's definitely a weird sense in this game.
2: I get Twilight It it definitely changes the experience. Um, I think there is a lot of fiddling with all the different markers and stuff. It's not epic. You're not going for the epic experience, though. In TI3,
0: that's what you're going for, and that's what you get, and that's the amount of table space it takes up. It's not as epic, but I I, I get a sense of epicness and giant battles and stuff in Mage Knight
2: in the in the in the last boss battles, I get a sense of I it I could see I enjoy on the table because it's fun to look at everything and see how you go through the t- countryside destroying stuff yeah. and your wake of you know torn, yeah I torn love seeing just the wake of destruction
0: you know what, <laughs> all no, your little tokens and like everything you've destroyed it's it's great. you know another thing about this game that's fine. Is there anything about this game in your opinion that is not fine? uh maybe I don't know. <laughs> Okay, the, go for I it. really like the
1: dice. The, the magic little, dice, the mana dice are dice, more yeah. than fine. Cool, okay. but just in general, the art is just fine. It's okay. It, it does the job. <laughs> it looks kind of drab. I don't think that I love. I don't the, think I the unit the, art really
0: matches the uh, countryside art. But I like the I like the it's the fine. countryside art the most. I think I like the way the map looks when it's especially once you get towards the end of the game. It's, especially like at a distance, it's it very really brown. Well. If you like browns, you'd be into this. It's map. brown and green and, and yellow. Tan. And there's some there's some blues in the mountains there. Greyish yeah, blues. Some greyish whites. I like it. It's pleasant. it's it, it's pleasant in contrast to the fact that you've just destroyed everything. You're definitely the villain in this game. Which I find amusing because it's so disconnected. Like it it's so amoral like you're just, just, just burning down everything for no reason just for down. For, the, for its own sake just to become a better mage knight I mean you're apparently a good person loop. when you kill orcs because you get rep yeah people like that
1: but then you only killed that orc to get to the mage tower which you burn to the ground which
0: then brings your rep back down yeah. right and I then think you picked funny.
1: up thugs so that you can intimidate people yeah I love the
0: intimidation card
1: that
0: yeah that one's fun That might be, yeah. Some of them are fun. Where it's like influence, like way more, or not, it's a little bit more influence than the normal influence card, but you lose a reputation at the end, and it just shows a guy with a knife to his throat. So if you, if you,
1: for some reason, skip to this part of the podcast first, go back to the beginning, but every
0: time I say, fine, take a shot. (laughs) (laughs) The Thoughtful Gamer Podcast, episode 10, official drinking game.
2: I think you I would think uh, you would I, have a good night.
0: <laughs> I would like to point out that I am not liable for any alcohol poisoning <laughs> to come from this drinking game. Because I think you've said fine, like, at least 20 times. That's a lot of shots. Maybe, maybe just a drink. Maybe, you know, the swig of your beer. Yeah, that works. But then we got to find something for a shot. I don't even know. What would a mage knight
2: drink? What would a mage knight drink? <laughs> I don't know. The blood of their enemies or something?
1: Yeah. You drink just pure. I'm. I'm more on board with this idea that just some people will really like this, and some people won't. I, I'm more on board with that now. I'm more okay with you. I'll give
0: you top ten. I'll give it your top ten. Well, here's the real test, right? Do you understand? Do you empathize? I guess, or understand the experience? The the, the really good experience we have when the game, and understand why we have theory. that experience.
1: Do I understand? I understand the words you're saying. Um, that
0: doesn't equate empathy. Uh, why well, empathy in the strictest sense that um, you can kind of feel? I don't know. Empathy is the wrong word. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, Do you see you why we like conv- this game so much haven't even if you don't? You have convinced me
1: that the experience you say you are having is one that is likely to be had. You're leading me in that direction, but I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not, so. you didn't sell me completely. Sure. Okay. I,
0: I well, bu- you didn't sell me completely, but I think yeah. I understand more of your perspective. Yeah. So we've had a productive conversation. Yeah, this was productive. It's great. That's the key. Well, I guess that's all we have for Mage Knight. Mage Knight, Rage Knight. Or Rage Knight, if you're Matt. Or I guess Fine Night. That doesn't rhyme though. No. Or it doesn't flow no one thing i was i was researching a little bit before this podcast and by a little bit i mean like 10 seconds before we started the podcast and i found an interview with vlada and he talked about and i thought this was fascinating that he first of all he used to do computer games before he did board games um which means he was doing computer games i think like really old style probably i maybe strategy games i'm not sure But in this interview, he's talking about the difference between computer games and board games. Um, And one of the things he mentions is that he actually designs his game, his board games, digitally first. Like, he creates everything in in a spreadsheet and does, like, the math and the balancing on it. And then he'll create a digital, like, rough implementation of the game to try out before he even makes a physical prototype. Vlada, how did you do a hex grid in Excel? Well I don't know if he did that anyway. And presumably he he's pretty adept at programming, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he I don't know how far his digital prototypes go. Okay, fair. Okay. But I thought that was really fascinating because his games are so it might it might actually give us some insight into why his games tend to be kind of more complicated than they probably should be, or maybe a bit they're they're not elegant games, other than code names. Like none of yeah. his games you would ever describe as elegant.
2: Maybe some parts of Through the Ages. I, it's it's more that the final product is elegant, and it's kind of when you look at it, it's like a bunch of systems that you kind of that seem thrown together, and then you play it, and you're like, "Wow, this just." Well, I wouldn't call it elegant. Good. I would say they work m- most of the time, but there's often
0: a well, lot of necessary and good but still bloat to his games the,
1: the button system and space alerts pretty elegant
0: that's pretty good <laughs> yeah anyway it might play into that and then also I think it it also is really fascinating how for someone who has a has a background in computer games and thinks of them apparently so mechanically first that he creates such vividly thematic games like we we're kind of lukewarm on the Dungeon Lords Dungeon Pets games, but they're hilariously thematic, so a yeah. space lord and galaxy Trucker. Those rules were were great. Yeah. I don't know. He's uh he's an Enigma and a perfect person, and I want to meet him. We have couches and futons. <laughs> <laughs> Fly here from the Czech Republic, please. Anyway, to end the podcast, I want to quote a little bit about a really fascinating discussion on this interview about where he talks about the difference between computer games and board games from the designer. He says, from my point of view, the big difference between computer games and board games is the role of design. Clever video game design is about how to trick people to play the game, not about the game mechanics themselves. And fluent experience is more important than intriguing challenges. So I think... I think I want to unpack that a bit more at a later time. I don't know in a podcast or an article, but I think there's something something to be said that said about that where computer game designs almost almost inherently are trying to trick the players or disguise things from the players where board games really can't do that very much. I don't know. I think it's a very interesting topic and I think he brings up something very interesting It would be there. really interesting. I mean there's, uh,
2: there's some parallel computers have almost infinite simulation power. Whereas a board game, you have to physically move bits around. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's, also, it's also open to you. Like, unless you, like, hack into the code of a video game, there's stuff that you will not know. Right. Yeah. There's, there's
1: an interesting parallel between
0: print and video media, perhaps. Yeah. We should talk about discussing that or, like, co-authoring something. I, it's a topic I've been wanting to talk about before, and I was really
2: excited when Vlada expressed the same idea anyway i I actually saw another article from some other video game designers about how they design strategy games so i think it was people who from someone from paradox and someone who does civ and another civ game maker and they were talking about how their their approach to making these extremely complicated games came about and how you know in one case they hated that everything was kind of just random behind the scenes and that there wasn't an actual system determining everything. So they built a system for everything in Europa and you can dig down and you can find a system for the trade map mode and it's super detailed and complicated, but they wanted that level of detail and simulation in there to actually show why everything happens. And so that that the player can actually drill down and find that as opposed to if they look at the code and say, oh, it's just actually random, it doesn't, in my experience is not accurately describing what's that's been really interesting. The, the if you can covers. find that article, send that over to me. I would love to read that.
0: Sure. Um, it's actually doubly interesting because Europa was first a board game. Yep. So, all sorts of weird things there. Anyway, that's our podcast for today. Let me know what you think in the comments check out the review of mage knight uh, at the thoughtful along with everything we do here at the thoughtful gamer hit me up on twitter and facebook and don't forget to rate and review the podcast on itunes or wherever you get podcasts goodbye Council of the void wants your soul <laughs> <laughs> i just
1: hope your day's fine